0: Artists' Voices, Life in a Pandemic, is a new series of oral histories from the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art at the National Gallery of Ireland. These oral histories were recorded as a series of conversations with artists to document their experiences during the global COVID-19 pandemic. This series is produced with the kind support of ESB, sponsor of the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art. This episode of Artists' Voices, Life in a Pandemic features artist Cathy Prendergast in conversation from her home in London on Friday, 24th of April, 2020. Born in Dublin, Cathy Prendergast lives and works in London. Over the past four decades, she has developed a sophisticated and critically acclaimed art practice, working with a diverse range of media across various disciplines, including installation art, sculpture, drawing, photography and video. In 1995, she represented Ireland at the 46th Venice Biennale. Prendergast has a strong interest in maps, cartography, and systems of human communication and infrastructure. In 2019, a work from her ongoing series of Black Maps was exhibited at the National Gallery of Ireland's exhibition, Shaping Ireland, Landscapes in Irish Art. Her work is represented in many international collections, including Tate in London and the Irish Museum of Modern Art. Kathy generously agreed to talk about her life and work as an artist during the COVID-19 pandemic. Good morning, Cathy. I thought we'd begin by returning to a work that you showed at the National Gallery of Ireland this time last year, in the exhibition Shaping Ireland, Landscapes in Irish Art. This was an artwork entitled Atlas and is one of a series of black maps that you've been creating. These black maps reflect among other things, your interest, your strong interest in map making and cartography. So I thought you could begin by uh, describing this particular work to us and what you are, have been responding to in creating these black maps over the years.
1: Um, well, the piece you're referring to is called Atlas and it came in two forms. It comprised a motoring atlas of Europe. And the one I showed in Shaping Ireland was one motoring atlas of Europe on which every page was worked on. Um, Everything was deleted from the atlas apart from the location dots, the white location dots. So I erased borders, roads, any topographical information. So what was left uh, was a series of white dots on a black background. These dots, at the time, I was thinking about how people migrated across landscapes and also about how people settled within landscapes. So for me it was about a layering of history of people's migration and people's settling. And although I work with cartography in lots of ways, it's always about our human impact on the landscape. So for me, there's a double-edged thing about the human body and the landscape. Those two strands are uh, what I'm concerned about. Um, That piece was also shown as a larger installation in uh, different galleries, which were the hundred pages of those maps Um, opened on different pages comprising of a hundred atlases on tables where people could actually negotiate and walk through the kind of landscape. Um, What I was trying to do there was showing how people connected with each other um, but also how there was a disconnection as well, the kind of isolation between spaces. Um, so, uh, for example, in Middle Europe, all those dots were very close together and curiously were very regimented in their distance between each other. Mm. And then when you got to uh, places like Sweden and Norway, uh, they were very dispersed. And um, the whole piece could have been seen almost like a star chart, how we look at space in different ways. And so that was the background to the piece you showed in Shaping Ireland.
0: It's a, a fascinating artwork and was such an interesting addition to the exhibition at the time in that it spoke to so many different issues around ecology and human relationship with the landscape and our environment. And I think I'm right in saying that the settlements that you the their positioning in Ireland that you highlighted, I suppose, uh, revealed quite an even spread across the landscape that uh, you could almost make out the shape of Ireland from the position of where people live. And which says so much, again, about our own islands, geography and uh, climate that uh, we can inhabit every almost every area of the island.
1: Yes, you could you could um, imagine the island and um, so that's probably because coastal regions but also that evenly spaced distance makes you think about how we communicate with each other like those distances could have originally been a day's walk between each other or a day's cart journey between each other so for trade for exchanging of goods, that was the optimum distance you could do, say, going to and from in a day or And maybe those areas got established and then got built up. And then as you could go further, there would be a bigger city that all these smaller clusters uh, could uh, congregate towards. So uh, while I was making the piece, these were things I started thinking about Uh, Because in deleting everything else, you could start to very clearly see these measurements of distance. And then that made me think how um, these areas were denoted for very practical reasons. And uh, so, you know, that was very interesting for me.
0: And this series of work, these black maps that you've been creating have you returned to them or reflected on them in a different way and in the context of the recent situation of social distancing due to the pandemic and I suppose the, the changes that we've all experienced in how we communicate with each other and how we uh, travel, how we uh, negotiate our environment, all of these things that are represented in your work, have they been? Have you, ha- has the current situation affected how you've been thinking about them?
1: The really curious thing for me is what's happened recently, has made me think about that piece um, in a different way, and that um, almost like uh, those uh, location dots are now in isolation from one each, from one another. So uh, because of what's happened, which was kind of inconceivable, really. Um, It makes me look at the piece in a different way, that uh, we're all uh, kind of isolated from each other, kind of floating in space. Um, But also, because there's no borders or anything, there's a democracy about every dot is the same. Um, And, you know, what's happened now, there isn't, you know, quite a democracy about Um, how we are all are and yeah so it's made me rethink that piece and i'm not sure if that will develop into something else or not
0: and of course it's extremely interesting for the viewer to look at a work like that and to 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 think about the new perspectives in which we consider uh its meaning uh in the context of what is happening in the world today and how different it is from, I suppose, the world in which it was created only on la- this time last year.
1: Absolutely. And um, the larger piece, um, Atlas, was meant to be shown in Germany at the moment. And that will supposedly defer till December. Mm. And I do think, how will we view it? Or how yeah. will I view it? And then what will I get from it? You know, I kind of think even after you finish a piece of work when you revisit it you know you're in a different place and the whole way of looking at art maybe is in a different place so yeah that'll be interesting
0: and people's lives have been disrupted in so many ways by this pandemic that the whole idea of what is normal I suppose has changed hugely in recent months but could you describe maybe what was a normal day for you in the studio what, what was involved in making art
1: well a normal day for me is and i usually stick to a very pretty strict routine uh, a normal day for me in the studio would be i get to the studio usually at about 9 nine thirty, and um, have a really lovely walk uh, from where i live along the canal which is one of the most beautiful parts of London, lots of weeping willow trees and houseboats. And I get to the studio about 9, 9.30, and um, I work pretty solidly, or slowly. I've always been very slow, methodical worker, uh, till about five, six now, um, and then walk back home. So that's my day in the studio. I usually have two or three things on the go at the same time. Um, I usually have some three dimensional work that might, or um, I have ideas about it turning into an installation. And then I always have some two dimensional work, which probably will turn into an installation as well. I usually work uh, by making quite small condensed things then they usually end up uh, being shown as a more broader uh, uh, work. So, for example, um, before I left the studio, I've been trying to work on... Uh, I've got three projects on the go. Uh, the one I'm mainly working and grappling with in the studio is called The Road. And I'm working with the, and this is a kind of follow on from the Atlas piece. I'm trying to work on the idea of the road as a metaphor. So I have um, lots of uh, bookcases, uh, domestic things that can make up the idea of a road. And I'm trying to work out how to make a road maybe look like a bed. So I've left the studio in that state. And I had also been making very small models of generic roads in cardboard. Um, so this these very small, they kind of look a bit like stone because I've kind of sanded them and um, dipped them in water and molded them. Um, so there's these very little roads called, you know, the road up, the Road Down, um, uh, things like that. So uh, that was uh, taking part in the studio, and I had run into a few technical and conceptual difficulties with that work, and just from years of experience of working when that happens I generally stop that work and continue with some other work. So an ongoing other project I've had on the go has been um, uh, some other cartographic work where um, I have uh, 18 maps of Mount Fuji which would take up uh, probably about four metres square on the wall. Actually, there's some behind me here. And um, you can't see what the form is until you start colouring in the contour lines. And it is a really extraordinary shape, which actually doesn't look like a mountain, but maybe looks like uh, some organic uh, thing like um, some part of the anatomy or tree rings. And um, so that's been an ongoing project that I've always uh, turned to when I've had other difficulties in work. And uh, up to now, I'd probably finished about 10 or 11 of those maps. Um, the final uh, idea for this work is that it will be turned into a series of woodcuts and uh, be only viewed by reclining on a day bed underneath it so it will be a kind of installation piece eventually but at the moment i'm just going through the very um it could be seen as laborious but i find very nice task of just hand painting each line so uh, that's been going on in the studio as well and then i've also been revisiting some small bronze work I had done a few years ago. So a normal day in the studio would be working within those uh, three different aspects. I'd have my uh, maps on the wall, my models of the road, and um, I'd kind of be working between each. Very nice.
0: And when access to your studio is restricted due to the current situation, are you able to continue working from home?
1: Yeah, the access has been restricted to the studio. In theory, I could still go in. Um, I've decided actually not to go in, uh, partly because uh, all, there's a, all the other areas are shared areas. And um, I just thought, actually, I can work at home. Um, My uh, map project is actually custom made to to these conditions. So, and I was uh, really grappling with my road project um, and uh, any deadlines I've had for shows have been deferred or cancelled. So I've just chosen to work on my um, Mount Fuji project at home which has been actually fine.
0: And what would you say you miss most from the studio environment?
1: I miss actually the physical making of things at home. I, I, you know, it's purely two dimensional. So I do miss even like if I only spent an hour actually making something in the studio and then sitting, looking at it or, you know, mooching about Um, I kind of miss that, kind of just that tactile thing of using materials. Um, The other thing I miss is the social life of the studio. Um, There was a group of us, maybe every week or two, we used to go to the local uh, cafe, just have lunch together. Uh, Probably once or twice a week, someone would pop in for tea. And although you'd just be chatting and having tea, Having other people looking at your work, even if they don't say anything or like that, actually is really healthy. The part of being in a studio block, um, I find really healthy, really, really nice that rapport. Yeah. So I miss that. But having said that, um, I'm actually really enjoying working at home as well. I have a specific project and I've set myself my own deadlines. So, um, I kind of feel I haven't been trying to go, oh, what'll I do now? I'm not in the studio. Yeah. it's been quite seamless, actually. So
0: and communication and how we communicate with each other has become a real point of focus, I suppose, of this pandemic and how we're dealing with it. Um we're, we're turning to a lot of less traditional means to keep those lines of communication open. But how have you as an artist continue to communicate with your collaborators or uh, people you would generally work with has that been a challenge for you
1: well i had um another thing i do miss i had started working with a foundry here um and that actually uh was a really nice beginning of a uh, uh, a relationship that could work really well. So I had just finished uh, doing one thing there. Um, so that won't continue till all this lockdown is over. Um, curiously, with galleries and that, I had used WhatsApp quite a lot beforehand. So, uh, and this is my first Zoom meeting, don't so <laughs> <laughs> it's quite new. Uh, But actually, I think it's I think it's great. Um, Actually, I did. uh, I have some very close friends in LA, and uh, last week uh, there's probably about six of us. uh, We all zoom had a meeting. That was really nice. Um, When they come to London, we generally, you know, every summer have this really big group picnic. So it was kind of curious. We were all on Zoom. One was in Vermont, two were in LA, two or three were in London. And um, I just think it's probably the new, the new normal in a way. Sounds lovely. <laughs> I know. Hope it continues. It makes you feel like you don't have to leave home <laughs> or leave your studio or you can connect with people right. rather than, you know, you know, when will you next be in London or whatever.
0: And in being trapped at home, have you had difficulty with access to materials or have you found yourself experimenting with any new materials or ways of making art?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I'm really shocked. I probably have enough materials and medium to keep going for a year here, Um, which kind of surprised me. It actually really surprised me how... Uh, and I think this is to do with probably making work for years and just making work really slowly and, um, not being super prolific. There's been so much stuff, um, on hold and on the sidelines. Um, I can just continue doing what I've been doing and I do have, uh, even some two-dimensional work here that i could uh, continue so weird i'm i'm actually quite surprised that weirdly it hasn't super affected my practice so far and and i think that's because there is a long lead up in making work till it say turns into its presentation installation
0: there is an element of sustainability then maybe to your practice that you have, that allows you to continue to work throughout such difficult times, or that maybe that you've uh, developed various strands that give you options, uh, to pursue certain, uh, ways of making art when others aren't possible.
1: Yeah. At the, at the moment, like while I'm doing this map work, I'm fine. Once it's finished, it'll, it can only be sent to one particular scanner. Um, So they would have to be up and running and then to get it converted laser cut onto wooden panels. So all those aspects down the line, uh, I would, you know, depend on people. But for the moment, I'm pretty self-sufficient. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that But probably 10, 15 years ago, I actually wouldn't have been. I think it's just uh, experience and um, weirdly, stockpiling art materials, you know, like the ink I need for these. Uh, a couple of months ago, I just noticed that some huge bottles of it in the shop and I just went, oh, I'll just buy a couple of those. Uh, and now I'm really glad. Yeah. Um I'm slightly running out of paintbrushes, but there is online shopping still going anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I think everyone finds a way, artists particularly, I think would always find a way to make something out of something anyway, so. And as an
0: artist who's interested in uh, means of human travel, communication, human systems and infrastructure, is there anything that has surprised you about uh, our response to the pandemic and the, uh, the way we're living our life in, in the context of what's happening in the world at the moment?
1: Well, <clears throat> you know, London, London is, uh, you know, so uh, busy all the time. Um, London is actually really beautiful at the moment. So that's actually been a real surprise. Um, even though it's, you know, stressful going out to make sure people keep their social distancing. I think, really, the thing that has surprised me most is the lack of air travel, Mm. you know, and, you know, that's the bit I just think the skies are really clear. There's no noise from planes. I never actually realised how noisy planes were, uh, even more than the kind of... You know sirens and uh, car traffic, but also the impact of uh, no or very little air travel. That really cuts people off from one another. You know, so the whole thing about globalization, uh, you know, which has been, you know, almost the reason why this happened, possibly as well. And mm. um, like that, really. Disconnects people and um, so that's that's actually surprised me, and you know that's what I, I kind of was thinking about more than on the local level level um, then you know people who happen to be trapped in other countries, like you know, I do really feel for for them, you know, and we've just taken the idea of you know traveling everywhere in the world for granted. And also as a right. Um, when something like this happens, it makes you realise just how fragile our connections are. Um, so that's actually been a surprise to me, you know. Um, and I kind of wonder how, you know, if and when all this is all over, will we just go back to, you know, travelling or think, you know, or will there be a kind of uh, bit in the back of our heads, like, how can I get back? And um, then does that make you give us, you know, an idea of a sense of home or whatever? Anyway, it has made me think, you know, just think of stuff like yeah. that.
0: It, if I could ask one final question, Cathy. Um it's obviously a very difficult and traumatic and uh, uncertain time for many people at the moment. But where do you personally find or see hope for the future? And both in terms of where we might be and also what we might take with us from this experience or that you've learned from this experience?
1: Well, I would hope that, um, we, uh, that there's a better democratic um that we actually treat uh, frontline workers a bit better. You know, when I look at, you know, uh, there's still uh, people collecting our rubbish, you know, people we've completely ignored on the streets. Um, we realise how important and how much we depend on people in certain jobs. I think, you know, London, it's, you know, particularly extreme, the kind of uh, systems, class systems, but I do think it's it's worldwide. Um, I would hope that we have a bit more respect for each other, um, but also I think um, environmentally, I am going to be really sad when the streets of London are filled with cars again. Uh, when I go for my my exercise walk every day um, it 's so uh, amazing. You can see right down to the end of streets. You can actually see how uh, the city was planned, you know particularly walking down through really empty bits of Piccadilly and mayfair um, it 's just really beautiful, and it, you know that 'll be gone you know. We should be recording it because it'll never look like this again. Mm. I don't know if that's the same in in Dublin. And um, the trees, you know, I think we're all noticing nature a lot more, you know. So Mm. I'll be, you know, I won't be sad when all this is over and uh, hopefully we'll all be safe.
0: This conversation with the artist Kathy Prendergast from her home in London was recorded on the 24th of April 2020 through a video call with Donald McGuire, curator of the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art.